This episode is brought to you by Mountain Sea Media. I spend half my life near the Pacific Ocean and the other half in the mountains. These places are full of profound stories and experiences that guide my life even now as a media creator and beer professional. This is what gave birth to Mountain Sea Media, the stories that impact our lives and give meaning to our business. Stories share good experiences and the warmth of friends. They improve business by sharing these experiences and connecting deeply with our customers. If you'd like to connect better with your customers through copywriting and storytelling, contact me at jeremy at mountainseamedia.com. It's your story. I'll help you tell it. Welcome to episode 48 of Good Beer Matters. Women's place was very firmly in the household. This was backed up by religion. This was backed up by law. From the earliest goddesses, uh, Hathor and Minkasi, uh, it's been a beverage of joy, happiness, and friendship. Just like our industry is involving, so are the drinkers. Today, women operate in practically every facet of the brewing industry, but it is still more common to see men on the brew deck than women. This was not always the case. Centuries ago, women were the ones who brewed for their household and their community. Somewhere along the line, this changed, and now women are finally integrating back into a role they held for centuries. This is due in part to groups that provide opportunities to women in the beer industry. In this episode, we continue honoring the women of beer by exploring the past, present, and the future of women in brewing with my next guest, who is a female brewer, a historian of women's studies, and vice president of Fermenta, a women's craft collective. My name is Jeremy. I'm a certified Cicerone, BJCP judge, IBD certified brewer, and a beer writer. I believe the art, the science, and the culture of beer has more of a profound effect on us than we realize. I believe there's a world of wisdom found in every glass, and I intend to get to the bottom of it. This is Good Beer Matters. These are the stories of us, of great food and the beer that brings it all together. I hope you enjoy episode 48 of Good Beer Matters with Brewster Tiffany Davidson. That's right, you're getting paid for this, aren't you? Let's take all you the time you need. You I am. <laughs> <laughs> you're a professional podcast guest. I'm trying. <laughs> hey, Tiffany, thank you so much for coming on to this uh, podcast. Um, I, I'm 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 really excited about the the knowledge that in uh, the experience that you have to bring to this subject, and um, uh, you know, and so of course, when this podcast releases, it will be March of 2020, and we'll be in the thick of Women's History Month. Um, so I really wanted to uh, pay homage to to uh, all, all the ladies out there, if you will. Um, but thank you for coming on to the show. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me. Um, and, and so one of the things I want to just kind of address right away is, you know, obviously I am, I'm male, and, and, and the first question I would ask myself if I were anyone is why the heck am I um, particularly uh, focused on doing a show on women? I mean, I, I don't have any experience in that arena, but... It all comes down to, you know, every man out there has a mother. Um, many of us have wives, daughters, nieces. There's a lot of women in our life, and, and I think there's a, uh, uh, I think there's some issues and concerns out there, too, that, uh, that I really want to flesh out, and I really want to pay uh, honor to that. But uh, 
to to really start off appropriately, will you introduce yourself and your background in beer? Oh, absolutely. Um, my name is Tiffany Davidson. I am a brewer, uh, though I prefer the term brewster, uh, and I'll get to that later, uh, as well as the regulatory and safety manager with Old Nation Brewing Company in Williamson, Michigan. Uh, if you haven't heard of us, uh, we're probably better known to you by our beer M43, which is all over the country right now. Oh, awesome. I have, I have not tried that yet, but I'll, I'll get on the lookout for it. Very good. Um, so, uh, yeah. And, so and I, tell um, us, okay. yeah, I'm sorry, oh, go sorry. ahead. You, you're, you're, about to, uh, you're about to dive into it, aren't you? Oh, I was just about to tell you a little bit more about my background. Uh, so I actually got into brewing as a ch- career change and uh, previously worked in higher education, earned my master's degree in history and women's studies, and uh, then uh, went through a certificate program in fermentation science at Central Michigan University, uh, which brought me to where I'm at, and I ended up in Old Nation in October of 2018. Awesome. Uh, But uh, I particularly want to, you know, like all good stories, let's start at the beginning. Let's talk about your education in 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 women's studies and and what you studied and 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 how you bring that aspect of your self and that your life to brewing. Oh sure. Uh, so I uh, started I started out uh, educating myself with a real strong mother. I'll be honest about that. Uh, she instilled in uh, my sisters and I to be be whatever we want it to be, you know, uh, seize the day, uh, be, be equals with everybody. And I kind of took that and ran. And so when I went, went to college, I went to central Michigan university. You're going to hear that name a lot. Cause uh-huh. I, I did it a couple of times. Uh, cause you're getting paid every uh, time you say it, right? <laughs> what's that? <laughs> you're getting paid every time you say it, right? Well, no, no I'm just kidding. Nice, but you know, I mean, um, but no, so I ended up with my bachelor my bachelor's in world religion and women's studies. Uh, women's studies is kind of an add-on, but it was one that ended up uh, helping out with my master's degree, which is in medieval and early modern history. And uh, I, through that, I discovered a love of brewing, actually. It's, it's kind of the segue that I had into the brewing community, simply because I studied these women who at the time were very religious. They were called the Beguines and they uh, were normal women, a lot of times upper class. And they had to make a, they were, had to make a, um, they had to make a living doing something in order to be attached to the church and to support themselves. And so some of them actually became brewers and they would brew their own beer and maybe sell it or give it away. And it was something that was sacred. And it kind of came into the same time period that the monasteries started picking up on things, so around the 1300s. And uh, seeing that, I thought, well, if they can do it, why can't I? Well, and that's interesting because, I mean, clearly uh, the monasteries, the monks, the men were brewing. um, But as far as um, you're talking 1300s, was there such thing as commercial brewing back then? Uh, it was just the beginning of commercial brewing, actually. So uh, throughout history, you've got these women who don't, they have the domestic duties to uh, do things like baking bread and taking care of the household. Well, what 
fell in line with that was actually brewing beer because the same grains that you might end up with uh, for baking bread ended up going into the ales that they made and the brews that they made. And so, you know, beer was safer than water, and they ended up doing things like brewing beer for their home. And then eventually that became owning taverns, which a lot of times, interestingly enough, they paired with brothels. And it was so popular that they actually had uh, the Code of Hammurabi, which was a huge law in the 1700 BCE, so before the era of uh, Christian Christ. And uh, they had four laws that dealt with these tavern brothel owner women, telling them how to regulate their trade and what have you. Hmm. So, yeah, once the 1300s kicked in, that's about the time when there was the switchover between women in the domestic uh, brewers and then the rise of the guilds and men in uh, the brewing industry well and and i i don't have um much history with history if you will um uh not well not out of a context of just a general college and everything but um I do recall with a lot of the beer study that I've done that, like you just said, uh, women uh, brewed because that was just kind of part of the duties around the house while men went off and did what men do. But um, uh, with the commercialization of beer, I guess either my understanding or my belief was women were the primary beer brewers and until some point it became more industrialized, more commercialized, and that's when the men stepped in and said, thank you, ladies, we'll take it from here. Is is that accurate, or...? That's accurate, yeah, okay. uh, because... Uh, and so uh, it was it had to do with the whole monastery thing. So once the monastery saw, hey, you know, this is something that we can mass-produce and maybe make a little bit of money for the monastery for it, uh, they picked it up and started running with it, which then in turn... Uh, ended up, for a number of reasons, turning into commercialization, uh, one of which being when the plague hit Europe, suddenly there was a desire to have beer, a huge demand for it, because they couldn't trust the water. They didn't know where this disease was coming from. And uh, so that created a demand for supply that women in the household just could not meet. Mm. And and was was there a disrespectful manner as where the the women brewers were summarily dismissed, or or when commercialization came about, there was no longer a need for you know home brewing essentially. Well, it was a little bit of both. Uh, so so women still brewed in the household, uh, but not in the way that they had because they were kind of demonized. So if you look back into historical records, there are a lot of uh, woodcuts and prints and what have you of women who appear to have been brewing, but they're portrayed as ugly. Mm. A lot of the writings about them were that they were unreliable. They are unsanitary. They were not up to par with the commercial beers that were available in the much larger uh, male trade breweries. And so 
seeing that and the really strong societal differentiation between industry and the household, women were kind of pushed out of it and really didn't have a way to compete. And then once once all of the technology advanced to try to mass market these things, women didn't have access to the education that they needed at the time to be able to advance with the industry. And so they were summarily excluded. And and so what were, the, besides the challenges that you just listed as far as just being um well, I'm just going to use the term cast aside, but I use I use that loosely. It sounds like it's a more complex issue than just a simple uh, thank you, we'll take it from here. But um, but not having access, historically, traditionally not having access to uh, school, especially in the uh, later stages, um, and this is you know just kind of how things were way back then. Um, yeah. what, what were some of the other uh, issues that, that women had to... Uh, deal with that were challenged by or had to endure as in with trade or what what do you mean well just kind of dealing with uh you know they're trying to they're trying to brew to take care of their family maybe take care of their community um they're trying to uh, create a business for a little bit of you know i would presume given the way that we think today a little bit of stability in their lives uh, however mm-hmm. that manifested like you mentioned uh, uh pubs and brothels but um but what were some of the other societal issues that m- maybe uh, contributed to uh, kind of men taking over and kind of like pushing women out of the brewing business? Quite honestly, it was very much on a on a societal uh, differentiation between the household and industry that women's place was very firmly in the household. This was backed up by religion. This was backed up by law and any going against that was just not heard of. And there was true rebellion against that. You know, there were a lot of men who, if they saw their wives trying to make these efforts, they didn't think that was right. And women didn't really have a place legally in a lot of locations. So it was a huge uphill battle and uh, women's rights didn't really start to uh, advance until you start seeing more of the uh, 1800s into 1900s um, where women are starting to have their voice. And in the brewing industry, that's even closer in time to where we are right now, maybe the 60s and 70s. So it's uh, it's been a long history of, of inequality and of uh, women being the domestic holders rather than the industry holders. Yeah, and, uh, and so let's fast forward in time a little bit. You just you just mentioned when um, you know in the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds, and uh, again just to what little I remember from documentaries, books, etc. Um, you know, not only did uh, women kind of stop brewing, but they didn't really go out to the bars and have a drink necessarily. Um, at least until, uh, to my recollection, seeing like the 20s, uh, the, the roaring 20s when uh, prohibition w- uh, was uh, was uh, here in the U.S., uh, but then, you know, men and women would go out to speakeasies, and, you know, we see uh, evidence of that as well. What, what was the state of 
women either in the brewing industry or just flat out going out and having a drink with with everyone else? There, to my recollection and to my study uh, at that time period, it's women were kind of frowned upon as drinking in public. Uh, what you did in private was fine, but in public, up until maybe like you were saying, prohibition, it was it was still kind of looked down upon. And so, uh, if you were going to have a woman who was drinking. You probably would have her in the household, uh, but I. But to be honest, I don't have a whole lot of information on uh, the state of things in the Roaring Twenties. Uh, my area of expertise is actually early women and gotcha. uh, women today. Gotcha. Um, well, then uh, I wonder if you'd be able to talk about how the whole prohibition thing began. Um, uh, it was very, very much religious driven, uh, but it was primarily uh, women who began the, the, the early beginnings of that and got a lot of uh, uh, politicians on board with it, too, and, and you know, resulted in, and, uh, and of course, the prohibition. But um, do you have any uh, knowledge or study of, of those women uh, or women of that day that kind of got prohibition to uh, get some momentum? Yeah, the women's temperance movement was a very expansive movement beginning in the late 1800s and progressing through up through Prohibition and beyond, uh, focusing on the prohibition of alcohol and the fact that it would essentially corrupt society and cause so many issues. And so um, they talked a real good talk and a lot of a lot of governments in different states uh, picked that up, Michigan being one of the first. And uh, I actually am from an area where Al Capone had a home and would do rum running and uh, whiskey. Hmm. So at, with secret secret uh, tunnels and everything else uh, in some of the houses, unfortunately I didn't get a chance to go see them, but I would have totally played in those as a kid. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, the, it was a real, a really, really tough movement. And there, to some extent, there are some religions and spiritualities that are still pretty pushy about uh, not having alcohol and maybe reducing the amounts that uh, people can have, and even to the point of putting stricter regulations on drinking and on you know the fermented beverage community and and eventually that that is a uh podcast episode i want to do is just really talk about the um uh religious impact on beer and and how much of that is um is just confused uh i just spoke with the gentleman the other day about uh uh mormonism i mean they used to uh, have drinks and alcohol all the time, and it was just kind of uh, fairly recently in history that that has become a taboo thing, and I, I never knew that before. But um, that, yeah, that's that's something that uh, uh, requires a deeper exploration for sure. Oh, absolutely, it's something that um, that I'm currently looking into myself uh, just to get an understanding of it. Uh, 
I'm kind of a geek. I like to I like to look these things up. I like to read history. I'm one of the people who does a lot of nonfiction books, uh, audio books usually, because I have a half hour commute to my work here, and uh, just just to learn, just to try to absorb all these things and and learn about the community that I'm a part of. It's interesting. It's very interesting. Oh yeah. I, well, and it sounds like you need to start your own podcast. But uh, I, I'm just. I don't... <laughs> I'm just utterly fascinated by this stuff as well, and 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 I want to learn more. And, and this has uh, been a good vehicle for me to do so. But um, in, in that vein of thought, of just I want to learn more about the wanted. I wanted to learn more about the history of of beer and alcohol in the U.S. and the taboos and all the issues surrounding it. And um, you know, I, I'm I'm a bit of a documentary buff, and 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 as far as those go, Ken Burns is the man, and his. Uh, his uh, his uh, uh, documentary on prohibition was just spectacular, um, and I learned so much about how you know the early days and the issues of 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 marriage or men and women and 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 just the collision and the clashing of the supposed roles that they imposed um, based upon some religious thing that they didn't get quite right if in in my humble opinion but um uh it's just how that all began and and manifested and created so many problems and uh so uh and this is why i want to talk to you is like after after we've after all that dust has pretty much settled uh from prohibition Mm -hmm. in those days have we gotten much farther have we have we made any advances you know we have and we haven't uh it's still an uphill battle if in regards to a woman getting into the community here is that what we're discussing uh women getting into the brewing industry uh yeah well yeah let's let's take our story and 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 head straight into the 70s now where it's very chauvinistic but you know things are the tide is starting to change a little bit yeah so um the tide is starting to change you're starting to see more women going out and and enjoying bars enjoying having a drink after work, uh, going out with their friends, uh, maybe their husbands, maybe their girlfriends. Uh, and But it's still incredibly chauvinistic. Uh, you have beer names such as, you know, Leg Spreader, Deep Throat, Happy Ending, those kinds of things that are uh, starting to pop up as the craft beer community starts to advance. Um and marketing, you know, going from the 70s up through today is kind of degrading. You know, you you can look to to uh, Budweiser, for example, uh, for some of the portrayals of women and, you know, scantily clad, serving men, what have you. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's very difficult to get into the industry when you're a woman and you're facing a lot of those sorts of things. Uh, sure. But, it, well, it, let, me, let me inter- interject real, uh, something real quick too, is, you know, I, I am a, um, I'm a product of the uh, 80s, or at least I, I grew up through the 70s, but uh, in 80s. But you know, it it's kind of funny. All those like say movies or commercials that I remember from back then, when you go back and kind of see that stuff, it, it's just I, I realize, oh my gosh, how 
looking at it from my age and perspective now, I realize how some of it was really, frankly, kind of appalling. And and a classic example of just those um, uh, beer commercials from the '90s, where you know that you know all of a sudden they open up a cooler and there's a bunch of beer, and then all of a sudden these, like you say, the scantily scantily clad women come and jump in the pool, and 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 it's just it, it it's almost it's almost hilarious if if it weren't so true how it was yeah. back then um and even i just we my wife and i um just uh, uh rented the movie encino man to show our kids uh just recently <laughs> a funny movie my wife still quotes uh the movie all the time it's it just hilarious but just kind of seeing um even in the early 90s how just how the regard was for women how they were portrayed as you know they're not part of the story they're just the the bling that that uh yeah. moves the story along and and you know at, at that day when that movie came out i was thinking what what a funny movie but now as a father with a daughter thinking oh my gosh what am i sending her into the world uh or what kind of world am i sending her into yeah that's it, it some of those movies you look back on them in, in from the 90s and the 80s and they just haven't aged well not <laughs> at all uh you, you think they're funny, and then you're kind of you kind of look back at them a few years later, and you're like, "Hmm, oh no, all right, yep. well, shoot." Yeah, <laughs> and, and but that was a commentary on 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 the story of that day and age, and it's it does serve as a little bit of a time capsule, so that we can look <laughs> back and say, "How far have we come? How much better are we now?" Because that really Agreed. is the goal: is how do we improve? How do we make the next generation better? But of course, you and I are doing, trying to accomplish that through the context of beer. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, beer is a social a social beverage. I mean, it brings people together. It's from the earliest goddesses, uh, Hathor and Ninkasi. Uh, it's been a beverage of joy, happiness, and friendship. It's been a way to bring people together and and uh, celebration and just um, you know to relax and and you know, to, to come together. And it's an important thing. Uh, fermented beverage has always been a very important thing throughout our lifetimes. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's, uh, there are many, many, many things in life that, uh, divide. Um, but beer is one of those things that, uh, uh, it, it just, it's defined by collaboration really. Um, uh, so uh, let, let's fast forward into uh, today's day and age. We have a lot more women in brewing, but um, mm-hmm. but I had a really good conversation. I was at a beer competition uh, just recently and had a conversation with a, a lady brewer uh, at my table that I was judging with, and mm-hmm. and she talked about how to try and f- uh, fit into uh, the the brew house for example you know in in this case very literally so um to fit into the brew house you know it's um it's easier than it used to be uh but but uh women have to change the way that they act this is the way uh, she was describing it to me if i if i've got it straight but they kind of have to change the way they act to fit in and be just like the guys in the brew house and and she said the challenge with that is the guys aren't changing to be more accepting, they 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 aren't right. creating an environment that is accepting of both genders. And keep in mind, I, you and I talked before. I do not believe that we need to feminize men or masculinize women no. for them to work together. We are different. God made us different. Let's be different and use those differences to our advantage. 
what are the challenges? What are the challenges now for men and women to work in the brew house using their inherent differences and advantages? I mean, I think honestly, the the only challenge is to just come together and realize that we're all tradespeople here. We're all here to produce a product that we can be proud of, that our consumers can be proud of, and overcoming. So the brewing industry, by by definition, over a very long time since uh, industrialization, has been a very male-oriented field. The picture of a brewer, when you think of a brewer, uh, anybody outside of our, you and I, maybe, and anybody who's listening to this podcast, you likely think of an able-bodied man. You think of, of somebody who's going to go and, you know, lift lift these huge bags and you know, use a huge mash paddle to uh, stir your mash and do this very physical job. And one of the things that stands in the way of, you know, even evening out the playing fields is seeing women who come in here and come into this trade on an equal level. Uh, I can't tell you how many times... Uh, you know, chivalrous sexism is a huge problem for women in the industry. You go and you're ready to, you know, pour your mash in, into, um, you know, to stir your mash or maybe pour in your grain into your mill or, you know, get ready to do something that's incredibly heavy. And the first thing that happens is a well-meaning coworker comes up and says, hey, do you need help with that? Well, that's, that's great. You know, that's, that's cool. Uh, but at the same time, it kind of gives the attitude that, well, you know, she's a woman, she's weak, she can't do this. So it, it undermines that whole, uh, sense of being able to accomplish the job itself. And that's a problem, you know, um, don't don't ask me if I need help unless I ask you for he- that I for help, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it means a lot, and, and I understand that. And I have some really great coworkers here, who we I am on an even field with them. I don't feel like I have to act like anybody other than myself. I can't say that for a lot of other places. I you know I don't know that that experience is universal, but Old Nation is a great place to work. And really, we take our our equality and our inclusivity and diversity very seriously here. And uh, so, I guess getting back to the topic, just accepting accepting that men are brewers and women are brewers, and that if they're in this field, they are able to do it, and they're in it for a reason, and give them a chance. You know, it. it um, I, I'm sorry. That kind of reminds me of a, a short story that I have, uh, or that will il- illustrate this point a little bit better. Um, you know, because being male, uh, you know, I, I'm gonna at my uh, better discretion. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna speak on behalf of men that we are kind of we're we're kind of brought up to to kind of protect and serve. I mean, we're kind of yeah. fed that line forever, and and you know, opening doors for. Uh, in fact, I, I try and make a deliberate point to open a door for anybody, not just women, because I, you know, I don't want to be that guy. But um, 
Uh, but but there is just that inherent upbringing that's either coded in our DNA or uh, brought up we're brought up to open doors to offer help and um, and that sort of thing and 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 that 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 takes some time to to decode to change to to first of all even realize that it's happening I mean it's just kind of you know something that I've noticed we just do um, but in that act, there is a certain uh, sense of, well, she clearly needs help. I better go over and help out, which is which yeah. is not fair and certainly not accurate. And the story I wanted to share um, was years ago, decades ago now. Um, I used to train in, in martial arts, and there were four of us uh, that were advancing together in the higher ranks. Three of us were guys. Yeah. One of us was uh, was a young gal or a, a, a gal. Um, and I'm I'm six foot five, and on her best day, she was maybe topping out at five two, um, and and, uh, and 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 it was really interesting because we had one guy that was very technically savvy, one guy that was just a fire plug, and you know just had power. I had I had height and, and length, and she was small and fast, and we mm-hmm. really got to learn each other's uh, pros and cons. Um, and whenever we're trying to work on a technique, uh, we could muscle through it and make it work. She couldn't. Um, but, but she therefore had to refine her technique where her finesse was just flawless. Um, and whenever we sparred, she knew that she had to stay away from me because I had long legs, long arms. But when she, but she could move so fast, she was able to get in and, and just kind of light me up before I knew what was going on. And then she was out, out of my range. <laughs> And it was one of those things where she wasn't just the the little lady we had to help out. She found her um, strength. She found her ability, and it was very different from what ours was. Uh, and we learned her ability was very different from ours, and it, it was equally incredible, just different. I think taking that, that mindset and applying that to the brew house or the market, uh, I think that would be beneficial for especially us men to realize it's different, but it's not less. I tend to agree. And actually, I can relate on the martial arts level because I, I have been a martial artist for about 30 years. And I have several black belts myself. Oh, and nice. so, And I was that woman who was coming up through the ranks and through the higher ranks uh, among my male peers. And so I absolutely understand where you're coming from with that. And martial arts are a very important part of my life and not something I don't think I, I don't think I've told you that but I but yeah I've got a, I've got a few black belts so well and in uh, and, and that that just illustrates the point even further that um for for anyone male female whatever it, it really it really doesn't matter we are going to have our own strengths and our own challenges um and you know, maybe I can pick up a sack of grain easier than she could at five foot two. But but I'll bet you in twenty years, my knees and shoulders and hips are going to be out of whack, and she'll be she'll be fine. You know, it's it's right. it's just understanding um, the the highest and best uh, use of our abilities that we've been given. Well, sure. Or using, or in my case, as a, as a safety manager, you know, finding a way that you can include everybody so if there's a technology and that person needs to have a technology in order to fulfill the you know part of their duties then 
it's in my best interest to make sure that that person has that. You know, um, if if they're having trouble hafting, you know, a 55-pound bag of grain, what can I do to help them with that so that they can also be on the even playing field with the next person who can maybe just heft that up with no effort? Well, and so along the same line, I, I want to ask a question that might be a little bit controversial. Um, uh, just because we're talking about, you know, use use our advantages, use what we have in their best and highest use. But mm-hmm. I still see on Instagram and online um, and even out in the trade, there are those women who use their natural assets to uh, help them in business. And and they, they dress in a way that, I'm sorry, men cannot get away with. Um, does... Are they using what they have to do better, or are they causing more harm to the overall um, uh, womenhood of uh, in the business? Well, I can't speak for all women here. Uh, it's not something I do. Uh, it's not something that I, I, I try to let my own skills speak for themselves. If that's what they choose to do, and that's something that is, within their values. Um, I can't look down upon the way that they do that. I wouldn't do it. Uh, that's not, that's not me. I'm, you know, I'm more a doer, you know, do the task, show people that I, I can do this thing. Uh, I don't necessarily need to fall back on that. So for me to do it, I think I would probably be doing more harm, uh, to the women who are trying so hard to, just get an equal footing in this industry uh for those you know who that's something they do to each their own uh just don't step on my toes <laughs> fair enough um and, and and that's that is to say that you know when i'm when i'm out in the trade or meeting with customers or something like that that you know i i do dress nice i i do pay attention to how you know my pants or shirt are cut and and, and and I do try and stay fit so I can stand up straight and hold myself sure. and 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 knock on wood so far I've been able to uh, stave off the uh what some people feel is the inevitable beer belly but um <laughs> uh but uh and, and so there there is a certain portrayal of you know I want to put my best foot forward um, but, but, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. It's, uh, you see some of these pictures on, on Instagram and you think, I have no idea what beer they're selling cause it, it's not beer. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't think, uh, at least, at least for me, I, I, I wouldn't use, uh, my assets to try to sell, sell a beer. I, I'm, I'm, I was raised to be a very professional person and to dress professionally, you know, I work in a job right now where blue jeans, a t-shirt and a sweatshirt are, you know, my, my uniform. But if something were to come up where I needed to be professional, I know to be able to go into my closet and, and dress it up. Uh, if I go to something where I'm speaking, I'm going to dress up. If I'm re- representing my brewery and, you know, it's something very important, absolutely. I'm going to dress up and, and make a good impression because, you know, it's, it's, it's how I was raised and that's, that's just the way it should be, you know? Uh, but again, I can't really speak for how other people do things. I don't, I mean, if they're successful and that's their business model, so be it, but I'm not somebody who's going to go do that. Yeah. And, and granted there are younger men and women, both who 
who don't have quite the the knowledge or skill set yet because that takes time and a, a lifetime to to pick up and so they're you know I, I admit that they're using what they've got working for them now and and, and i don't want to disparage that but um oh, no. i do get a little frustrated every once in a while too it's just uh there's a better way um oh, sure and um, they'll learn that as they go along i mean it's uh, everybody's as as you join the industry you have to i think you go through a maturing process and I feel like, uh, you know, some of those people haven't hit that, that maturity just yet. And, you know, maybe they'll change their ways. Everything's evolving. So, Well, I, I do, I can't admit that everything changes as one, we get older, but especially when I uh, had children, um, that was a huge paradigm shift. Um, and, and particularly a daughter, uh, you know, it's funny, you know, we'll see, uh, some of these, uh, pictures online where 20 years ago, you know, I'd feel differently about them. But now that I have a daughter that, uh, and nieces who were about that age, it, it's not the same. It's not the same yeah. at all. I, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. That's, I, I wholeheartedly agree because I, I want, I want there to be a better world for my nieces. I want to make sure that they are respected the way they should be. And it, it really changes your attitude when you've got youngsters, uh, you know, running around and you're trying to look out for their future. Yeah. And, and you know, before we get too far, um, we, we have not yet talked about Fermenta, which is uh, how I originally connected with you. Um, will you talk hmm. about that? What oh, is Fermenta? Absolutely. Okay. What's that? What, what is Fermenta? Oh, okay. Uh, Fermenta, a women's craft collective, is a is a group that started in 2014 at the Michigan Brewers Guild Winter Conference. Uh, a group of female brewers came together and found that there was a need for a women's group here in Michigan, and they wanted to base it on co- camaraderie, mentorship, and collaboration. Um, so they got together, they had, a, they had a meeting, and then in April of 2014, uh, plushed that out at Arbor Brewing Company down near Ann Arbor. And uh, it initially started out as a craft uh, beverage group that uh, encompassed the whole state. Uh, but more recently, in the last year or so, we have actually expanded into fermented foods as well. Hmm. So it's a way to it's a way to bring women and those who identify as women together of all diversity and all inclusion of all races, religions and backgrounds and uh, have a place for them to not only have mentors, but to maybe apply for a scholarship. We have lots of people who help us out, uh, give us a bunch of different educational opportunities, which is one of the things that helped benefit me getting into the industry. And, uh, you know, uh, try to give back and help these women develop, whether they decide that they're going to become a brewer or whether they're a bartender or if they just really enjoy home brewing and they just want to learn something else. Uh, so we are at the base, a trade group and a guild but we're so much more than that. And we're also a nonprofit, a 501c3. And so the funds that we receive from our memberships, they go back towards seminars and scholarships. Uh, and we have men who are members and we have women who are members. We have corporations that are members. Hmm. So 
Um, the female members are eligible to be active. Uh, so if you're active in the in the industry, then you are uh, eligible to be an active member. Uh, we also have supporting, which a lot of our um, our you know male supporters and some of our female they uh, go towards the supporting membership. And then we have corporations and corporate, so everything from uh, breweries to raw material uh, folks. So malts, hops, yeast, uh, to people who make the chemicals. Hmm. So, uh, but uh, yeah, Fermenta is a fabulous group. And honestly, without them, I probably wouldn't have ended up in this industry. Oh, really? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I joined in 2015. And uh, when I got involved, I met all these women who you know, who were able to, to take me aside and help me learn. And I was a home brewer at the time and ended up with a scholarship going to beer camp at one of the, one of the folks from Fermenta's houses. Her husband uh, is a brewer and he brews in one of the, bre- at one of the breweries here in Michigan. She actually works for her uh, schoolcraft college uh, down in Livonia and is an advanced Cicerone. And so she ta- she teaches classes on sensory and uh, a I, lot of other things. I presume you're but, talking yeah. about Annette. Yes, Annette May. Yes. Yeah, yeah uh, I'm talking about Annette. So yes, I went to Annette's house, and uh, Annette and her husband, uh, I spent a day learning how to brew on the system he's got in his basement, and we did tastings, and we did food pairings, and... I made an IPA, which unfortunately I never got to try because I lived kind of far away from where they live. So oh, no. um, I didn't get a chance to go down and get the bottle, but I've made up for it with, with lots more beer. So I think that's okay. Yeah, she she is someone I want to have on the podcast as well, uh, and I've, I've spoken with her. Uh, she's she's given me a lot of tips as I uh, kind of start preparing for advanced. Um, I've, I've kind of put that off a little bit too long now. Um, but uh, but yeah yeah she, she's she's on my list of people uh, to have uh, on the podcast. So she's incredibly fascinating. Oh, and if she's, she's listening to this, she should know that. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, she's actually she has helped me through a lot of a lot of things uh, with uh, getting into the industry. She and a number of uh, brewers, female brewers in Michigan. Uh, I'm pretty lucky to have. Uh, encountered the women from Fermenta, and I'm really proud to call myself the vice president of this group now, uh, hopefully to bring a new generation of female brewers and women in this industry, you know, up to the equality that we need and, and to encourage more women of diverse backgrounds, you know, not just white, but people of color to enter this industry and see that they do have a place here. Yeah. And now are there other groups like this around the country, around the world that uh, women outside of Michigan would have access to? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, uh, there, um, there's pink boots, which a lot of people have heard of. Uh, they're all over the world. Yeah. Uh, but uh, another, another guest on this podcast. I have to, I have to plug that, uh, uh, pink boots. It will, it, We'll have, uh, by the time this airs, uh, we will have Pink Boots on the podcast. Oh, very good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, 
And uh, so, but there's also uh, industry and non-industry consumer groups. So the Women's Craft Beer Collective, Society of Beer Drinking Ladies, Barley's Angels, which I really have to go look into things about them because they sound kind of cool. Um, there's uh, diversity groups. So there's Beer Diversity, the Queer Brewing Project, and then Beer Culture, which um, promotes uh, black and people of color in the brewing industry. Um there's also there's also blogs. So um, there's a couple of very interesting bloggers from over in the UK and in Ireland. Uh, one of them runs a blog called uh, Brachiatrics, which is hmm. uh, Dr. Christina Wade. She's another medieval historian um, who is pr- primarily interested in beer and brewing history. But there's also one uh, called Dealatis, uh, which is a group of brewsters, monsters, uh, hop growers beer sommeliers, writers, et cetera, who uh, feel like beer is far too good to just be enjoyed by men. And I haven't gotten too much into their into theirs yet. I just discovered them not that long ago, and I'm just getting into reading, but I think they're kind of fascinating. And things like that, resources like that are really valuable um, for support and for getting into the industry, in my opinion, and getting into beer drinking in general. Good. And, well, and, and I will uh, put as many of these links uh, on my website as possible uh, for when this episode releases. So uh, if, en- if anyone's like trying to madly scribble down some of these names you just mentioned, <laughs> go, to, go to my website and, and it'll be there. It's, and and uh, I'll at least do the best I can. Um, uh, so uh, I, I want, like I said, I want to be sensitive of your time, but um, there's a couple other questions I want to ask you before we get into kind of like a final round of questions that I have for my guests. But, um, but I, I really kind of want to, uh, uh, for lack of better words, tie a bow to this conversation, and and I want to have some uh, more like uh, uh, actionable things for any of my listeners can do, men, women, otherwise, to say, hey, this is we need to. We've done we've done pretty good so far, but we have to keep on pushing. We've got to put that our foot on the gas pedal on this. Um, and so, you know, what what can we do to not deny our differences, but embrace our differences and and come to work, uh, you know, more cooperatively together? What are things that that men need to understand in particular? So, this is a very very physical trade and it is a trade uh in my opinion we're all tradespeople, and uh there's really no way to get around that uh realize that people who take this path pretty much know what they're getting into have thought about this at least i hope they've thought about this uh being a very physical and a very on the other side, artistic sort of trade. Realize that when people come into this, especially when women come into this, they come in knowing that they are going to be working very hard. They're going to be working dirty work. They're going to be working where they need to be strong and they need to be aware of their game. And I guess the best way to get an even footing is when you see those women come into the industry, take it seriously. Take it seriously that, you know, they, 
they know that they've got this uphill battle, that they are going into this field that's traditionally thought of as male. And they're fighting tooth and nail to try to become a part of this industry that they love. And the best way is to just respect each other. Women can respect uh, what men are doing. Men respect what women are doing. And respect that women don't always need help. Uh, and, you know, if you, if you see somebody trying to undermine somebody else, say something. If you see something, say something. That's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just try to support each other, try to be there for each other, and to respect each other. That's, that's the base and the bottom line to everything on this. Respect. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, I think it's, uh, I'll use, uh, me and my wife as a good example. Um, you know, I, I'm six foot five and, and she is not. Uh, so she defers to me when it comes to, um, strength and definitely reaching up high. But as far as it comes, <laughs> but when it comes to, uh, it, like she and I will work out together and, and I can, I can do the strength thing and I can do the power <laughs> thing. But, but, you know, if, if I do too much of that, I'm, I'm like done in 10 or 15 minutes and, and she, she's the one, she's the endurance one. She's the one that can, you know, run for 10, 15 miles, you know, not, no problem. And, and she's a much better multitasker than I am. I think that's a, a general trait as well. But, um, but we, we have to understand that this is my strength. This is what I bring to this. And this is her strength. This is what she brings to this. And it's not, uh, it's not one is the better. It's like with, without both, we're kind of doomed. So, right. um, so teamwork is so important. And, and that's, that's why that's another reason I know I keep on bringing up where I work, but we have a pretty darn good team here and, and work very cooperatively with each other. And just like a family, you know, you, you might get on somebody's nerves, but you, you realize you're part of a team and we're all working towards, you know, making a product that we can be proud of and doing our jobs in the best way possible. And men and women can take that, take that to heart. Uh, one of the things that I have noticed through, uh, being a part of the brewing community is that when you're part of a me, me, me type of brewery, you're not as successful in my Mm. opinion. And, and, but if you're part of something where you're all working together, regardless of your differences, whether it be gender based, whether, whether it be, racially or religiously based you can turn out some damn good products and uh, be real proud of what you do and actually have a little bit of fun while you're doing it yeah agreed uh well let's dive into this uh, final round of uh questions because i'm i'm really looking forward to what you have to say about it um so Tiffany, I get to wave my magic uh, mash paddle and you are now the uh queen of the beer world for a day Oh, boy. What are you going to change? Well, I uh, I think I'd like to um, change the dynamic a little bit of the brewing community. I'd like to bring more people of color into the brewing community. I would like to encourage adventure and, um, you know, creativity when it comes to beer. I like to try beers that are 
super different. So I love to make beers that are historical. I like to make Kentucky Commons. I like to make, um, you know, maybe a sour that nobody has seen for a hundred years. Mm-hmm. That's my that's my bag. I love going into the historical stuff. Let's play with that. I want to make things adventurous. You know, I want to I want to have beer that's good but different and interesting. Maybe expand upon the uh, different tastes of people because just like our industry is involving so are the drinkers and um, I would encourage science I would bring more science into into the industry you know it's we're equal parts science and hard work and we can't neglect either one of them so, and if I was queen, I'd have all the money and then I'd get my certified Cicerone. That would be awesome. <laughs> um, I, I highly recommend it. <laughs> yeah, I'm working on it. <laughs> With a net, actually. Oh, um, good. But, uh, yeah, and so, yeah, I would, uh, I think I'd just, I would just, I like making edgy beers. I like to make uh, things that are, things that are creative. So I think I'd bring more of those in and then uh, encourage more women to come out and try and just see that, hey, you know, there are beers you can like. There are things you can drink that are that are in your palate range. So awesome. Uh, so, if you had the opportunity to choose your very last beer and your very last meal before you depart this earth, what would they be? Ooh. Um, well, I uh, I made a beer I'm really proud of. Uh, I got my first recipe through Old Nation, and it's called Blackberry Begina. And Abegin was one of those women I was talking about who was attached to the church and had to make a living uh, in the 1300s. Uh, I think that that one, if I'm going to go, I'm going to have props, and my boss said I should have props because it's a good beer. Um, I think I'd have that beer as my last beer. And then as my last meal, it's not going to complement it very well, but I'd have my, my wife's uh, rigatoni. Uh, because she makes some damn good rigatoni with mm-hmm. Italian sausage and her homemade garlic bread, and oh my gosh. And yeah, and hopefully wherever I end up after that, they'll have some of that there too, because I feel like it's the perfect meal. <laughs> well planned out. Um, right? Yeah, right. Um, uh, so... I'm sorry, I thought I had another question in there, but no, that uh, we're kind of getting to the uh, coup de gras question is, with the summation of your experience, Tiffany, why does good beer matter? Good beer matters because it's we owe it to not only ourselves, but to the people who try it, the people who drink it. We respect the people who take the time to come out and enjoy the beer that we produce. And we enjoy making it, and it brings out new friends. It brings out happiness. It's a celebration, and it's a, it's something that we enjoy. And without good beer, you know, I feel like the world would be a much sadder place. I totally agree, but we are both biased. But I thank you for sharing. Uh, maybe, that. yeah, maybe a lot, yeah. <laughs> Um, so if uh, people wanted to uh, connect either with Fermenta, with you, learn a little bit more about 
um, women's history and brewing or, or, you know, want to pay you a million dollars to come speak at their next homebrew meeting. Yeah. Um, how could they uh, connect and learn more? So, uh, Fermenta, you can locate us online at www.fermentamichigan.org. And we're also on Facebook, so Fermenta, so F-E-R-M-E-N-T-A. And uh, find us there. If you want to connect with me, you're welcome to email me at Tiffany, so T-I-F-F-A-N-Y, at Old nationbrewing.com or you can find me on Facebook um, I, I always have my cute mug up for everybody <laughs> to see so uh, but yeah I'm, and I'm, I'm happy to take any questions or or to just be your friend or just just uh, you know encourage you if you need it wonderful thank you and uh, final question do you have any final words of wisdom as uh, before we uh, finish this off my final words of wisdom are the, only, the worst thing that they can say to you is no. Take every opportunity that you possibly can and don't try to talk yourself out of doing something just because you're afraid. Without actually, you know, without, without all of that, I would have not ended up in this industry. I wouldn't have had my first commercial brewing experience. I, you know, it's be don't be afraid to get the no because that just means you just have to keep working excellent thank you so much for coming onto this podcast and sharing all about women's history and women in the brewing industry i, I appreciate you so much for coming to do that i appreciate this opportunity and i hope it kept it interesting for you well i i, I hope it i hope it helps uh, people. I mean, that's why the whole podcast uh, began in the first place, is I want to help those who just need to take a next step. Um, but I think there's a lot that women need to learn and understand, but I think there's also a lot that men need to understand. And and um, I, I wanted this to be kind of a, a little a little way to gaze into the women's experience. And so hopefully men can go like, oh, I had no idea. Let's try and do better. <laughs> Well, I hope that I represented my my female crew well and uh, didn't say anything that uh, would be objectionable to anybody. Well, that's up for them to decide. I I hope you don't get uh, jumped out of the gang on that one, but uh, I I, I I thought it was good. (laughs) I don't know where I'd go. (laughs) Anyway, thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Our history shows that a few diverse regions, ideas, and local ingredients produced a great variety of beer styles. Imagine what we could come up with if we welcomed people of all cultures, races, and genders into our collaborative beer culture. Thank you to the women who persevered and made their way back into brewing. We are all better because of it. Join us in the next episode where we learn how to elevate our deductive tasting ability with a master of the craft. Good Beer Matters is a show about great beer, great friends, and the experiences we create together. But it's also about better appreciation of the beer you enjoy. I believe better education leads to better enjoyment. So if you're a beer and food professional or even a beer enthusiast, then please subscribe to Good Beer Matters and visit me at goodbeermatters.net. After that, grab a beer, hang out with friends, and let the world open up. Thank you for listening. Cheers.
I, I kind of think about sometimes it's nice to have grown-up Gatorade, or as you and I call it, Gosa. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll do, it's too early. And, well, you know. Yeah. It's too early for you. It's I mean, it's 1 o'clock here. So. Oh, well, 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 most importantly, it's 5 o'clock somewhere, right? It, absolutely, yeah. <laughs>